Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity. Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. Father, we pray that you would speak to us clearly, that you would speak to us about our present, about our future, that we would get real about where we're at and we'll be deliberate to take action. Anoint me, Lord, with, this oppor- with the um, ability to speak your truth. Remind me what I prepared and may this all be for your glory and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, there was a priest, a Catholic priest, a Christian pastor, and a Jewish rabbi. And they wanted to work out who was best at their job. So they decided they were going to go into the forest and find a bear and try and convert them. So they all go in and they come back and tell their stories. The uh, priest said this, the Catholic priest said this, I, I read to the bear the catechism, I sprinkled him with holy water, and next week's his first holy communion. And they went, hmm, that's, that's pretty good. The uh, Christian pastor says, let me tell you what I did. Well, I presented to him the message of Jesus, that uh, Jesus died on the cross and rose again. And, and the bear was so impressed by the message of the gospel, I had the opportunity to baptize him. Is that a good thing? Then it's the rabbi's turn. And the, and the Christian pastor, the Catholic priest, look at the rabbi and say, what happened to you? The rabbi's covered in cuts and bruises and bandages. He's been beat up. And the Jewish rabbi said, well, maybe I shouldn't have started with circumcision. <laughs> Funny? Funny? I did it right, Shell? Phew. Thank you, Shell. You like that? Funny, isn't it? Harmless joke. Harmless joke. And it's fun to have a bit of a laugh. But l- let me say what's not so funny, what's not so harmless, is that when people are actually treated poorly, bagged out, downtrodden for their faith in Jesus. We had a bit of a giggle about priests and rabbis and pastors. And that was harmless. But what's not harmless is that when people are treated poorly because of who they've put their trust in. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Have you ever been treated poorly because of your faith in Jesus? And Melissa shared some of those, her story this morning. Have you, make it personal, have you, Kev, have you, Amanda, have you, Jess, make it personal, have you ever been treated poorly because of your faith in Jesus? Now, when we think about persecution, we think about people being locked up in prison and, and those things happen, and we'll get to those things in a few moments, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. Let me give you some examples. Maybe you were looked down on because of your faith in Jesus. People saw you as a second-rate person, maybe at work, in family, because you're a Christian. Maybe you've been called names because of what you believe. Maybe you've been called a homophobe because you voted no to same-sex marriage. Maybe you've been described as unloving to people because you don't support assisted dying. Maybe you've been described as against women because you don't support abortion for any reason the person wants. Maybe you've been called a goody-goody because of the way you're choosing to live compared to those who are calling you the goody-goody. Three, maybe you've been seen as stupid and ridiculous because you believe God exists. How could you possibly believe that? Are you an idiot? Have you ever heard that? Four, maybe you've been made fun of because you're a Christian. 
I remember as a teacher in a, um, as a guy in, in, in my 20s, we were staffing with a bunch of young staff, and the com- conversation of sex with a bunch of young staff was pretty regular, and they would hassle me because of my stance as a Christian not to have sex before I was married, and they made fun of me because I wasn't doing what they were doing. Five, maybe you were withheld opportunities because you're a Christian. Someone knows you're a Christian, and because of that, they don't give you the opportunity that you could get on merit. But because of what you believe, because of what you stand for, they didn't want you. Or maybe you've been rejected by family and friends. Your family said, because you believe that, I'm going to keep you at arm's length. Because you're a Christian. Now, I think that's the sort of thing that we encounter in Australia today. Persecuted for our faith. But maybe you're here from another country. Another country where this is common, but even more. You've come from a country where Christians are persecuted at a much, much deeper level, where they damage, vandalize, take property from Christians, where they vandalize churches, burn them to the ground, burn them to the ground, where they arrest Christians, Christian pastors, even Christians, and put them in prison for a time. Places in the world where Christians are killed for their faith. Maybe you've experienced some of these things. Maybe not killed for your faith because you're here today, but you've seen that in friends and people that you know. Friends, have you ever, have you ever been persecuted for your faith? Can you, can you relate to these things on the screen or the stories I just told about around the world? If you can relate, and I'm assuming you can if you're a Christian, Because if you're a fair income follower of Jesus and you're proclaiming his name, you're living differently, people will notice and they will they will give you you a hard time because of your faith. And if that's true for you, how did you respond? If you've experienced these things, how did you respond in these situations? Because the easy thing to do is to shrink back and to fit in with everyone else. To back down and change your opinion so that you're accepted and that you fit in. And in some cases, throw away Jesus altogether. And that's exactly what we see in this passage that that Ken read to us this morning from the parable of sower. In the parable of sower, the sower throws throws out seed on four different types of ground. And we're looking at the second type of ground today. And it's the ground where the seed landed among the soil with the rocks. And because of the rocks, the, the roots couldn't go down deep as the plant grew up. And as the plant grew up, the sun scorched the plants and the plants withered and died. And then as Ken said, Jesus gives us the meaning of the parable like this. He says this, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, They last only a short time when trouble or, what's the word? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This passage is talking about a group of people who who get excited about Jesus, who get passionate about Jesus, but then when trouble, when persecution comes by people who, who treat them poorly for their faith, they quickly fall away. This is how Luke says it in Luke 8, 13. He says, they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they 
fall, they fall away. When testing comes, persecution comes, and they stop following Jesus. And throughout the Bible, we see people persecuted for their faith. We see in the Old Testament, Old Testament prophets persecuted and even killed for their faith. And then we have Jesus, who was killed because of who he was and what he believed. Then we go to the book of Acts and we see his followers being persecuted. In Acts chapter 3, we have Peter and John. You go to the temple, they say, in the, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man rises up and walk. And they say, how did you do this? And they present the message of Jesus to the crowds. And as a result, they're arrested. They're dragged in by the religious leaders and, and told never to preach in the name of Jesus again. And from that moment, persecution escalates in the early church. In Acts chapter 7, we have the stoning to death. That's not stoning marijuana, that's rocks thrown at a person until they're dead. That was Stephen, the evangelist. And then in Acts chapter 9, we have the Apostle Paul, who was a Jew. His previous name was Saul, and he was going to persecute Christians in Damascus. He had a letter approving him to lock him into prison. And on the way, he encounters Jesus, the one who he was persecuting and the followers he was persecuting. And Paul gets radically converted and he then goes and presents the message of Jesus, and he's persecuted. He's beaten and shipwrecked. He's even killed. And the disciples gather around him and pray for him, and he comes back to life and heads back into the city. He, he's locked up in prison over and over again, and the, and the letters that we see in the New Testament, Romans, Corinthians, Philippians, most of those were written from prison. As he still tried to encourage the church as a persecuted believer. And as we read Peter and the other disciples, and they say they were all the disciples were killed for their faith. And these first disciples wrote to the early church. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we have this, this, this very clear picture of what was happening. Look at this. Hebrews 10, 32 to 35. Remember those early days after you had received the light. This is a writer writing to people who were Jewish, who chose to become followers of Jesus, became Christians. He said, remember those early days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. He says, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Confiscation of property, of property, publicly exposed to insult, even put in prison for their faith. This isn't the, the, the apostles or the disciples. These are people like me and you who have decided to follow Jesus. And this is how they've been treated. Simply because they're following Jesus. And throughout history, the last 2,000 years, it's happened over and over and over again. And they say that in, that, in, that, in, that in the last century, more Christians have been persecuted for their faith in the last century than all the centuries combined. In about May last year, Matt, is Matt in the room? Matt, if I click this, will it go to the video or you have to do it for me? You can do it for me. May last year, watch yeah, this. This caravan full of Coptic Christians was attacked about 150 miles or so south of uh, Cairo. Uh, according to reports coming out of Egypt, uh, two buses and a truck were attacked by a team of militants, maybe as many as 
10 or so militants with weapons, wearing masks, and also military-style uniforms. Now, the gunmen stopped the vehicles along this desert road and opened fire, killing at least 28 people. That number has continued to raise or to rise in the last few hours and still could go up even higher with a lot of wounded. Christian victims were on the way to the monastery of St. Samuel the Confessor in Minya province. Coptic Christians who make up about 10% or so of Egypt's 92 million people have faced really a wave of attacks in the last few years. And while no group has claimed responsibility for today's attacks, ISIS has just launched attack after attack after attack on this Christian community with several bombings of churches, both in December and around the Easter holiday as well. Now, several Muslim leaders in Egypt have uh, condemned today's attack, and the government of President al-Sisi has vowed to find the attackers. Uh, President Sisi, who came to power back in 2013 through a military coup, has vowed to improve Egypt's security situation. Heather, but the situation in Egypt has continued to get worse, not only in large across the entire community of Muslims and Christians, but particularly for Egypt's uh, Christian community, which has really seen uh, just a wave of attacks today, no different. The question is, is what will the Egyptian government do to bring uh, the violence and the protected community there? So far, everything they've tried has really not uh, been particularly successful. Heather. Bring it to an end. Connor Powell. That was last year. And over and over and over again are Christians persecuted around the world. Thanks, thanks. That's great, Matt. Live that one up. There is a there is um, a ministry called Open Doors. Open Doors is a ministry that communicates, firstly, what's happening around the world around Christian persecution, but also supports Christians around the world. And if you want to Get involved in supporting Christians where they're persecuted around the world. Go to, a, go to Open Doors or another ministry like that because they're doing great work in praying for, getting people out of countries, financially supporting Christians in need. Each year, Open Doors puts out a world watch map to tell us where Christians are being most persecuted around the world. Here it is for this year. The dark orange is where they're most persecuted. The dark yellow is a bit less, and then lighter yellow is still persecuted, but not as bad as it was, well, not as bad as some other places. It's interesting, China was one of the most difficult places, and it's dropped right back on the list as more and more people are becoming Christians, and God's doing a mighty work in that nation. Let me give you the list by name. The world watches. The worst place to be a Christian is North Korea, followed by Afghanistan. Somalia, Sudan, Pakistan, Eritrea, Eritrea, thank you, Libya, Iraq, Yemen, Iran, then India, Saudi Arabia, Maldives, Nigeria, Syria, Uzbekistan, Egypt is 17, and that's, what the, that's where the bombing was. Yeah, that was in Egypt, and Egypt 17 on the list. Vietnam, that place, that place. Don't even know these places. This is, what, this is what the Open Doors website tells us about North Korea. North Korea, the hardest place to follow Jesus. The website said that there are 25 million people in North Korea, of which 300,000 are Christians. 25 million, 300,000 are Christians. This is what it says. This has been the most dangerous country to be a Christian for the last 17 years. North Koreans are forced to worship the Kim dynasty and nothing else. Anyone who, with links to Christianity is arrested, tortured, and even killed. Despite this, the underground church is growing. A man with an estimated 300 Christians in North Korea. That is an astounding number. 
North Koreans are indoctrinated to worship the Kim, Din- Kim family. Children are taught to report their own parents' activities. Christian parents often don't tell their own children about their, Christ- their faith in Jesus. Some believers memorize their Bible then destroy it. Others carefully hide their Bible and only read it when they're truly alone. If Christians are caught, they're sent to labor camps. Their entire family is arrested, found guilty by association. Some may not know anything about Christianity or that their relative is a believer. Many still take the risk to follow Jesus. There have been many reports of underground churches in these prison camps. That's North Korea. Second one and last one is Afghanistan. Afghanistan, the population of Afghanistan is 34 million. 34 million in Afghanistan, and they reckon there's only 1,000 Christians because they've all been driven out or killed. Afghanistan is a Muslim country. The Islamic State and the Taliban control over 40% of the country. The only local Christians are converts. New Christians are considered to be insane for leaving Islam. If they don't recant, they may end up in a psychiatric hospital, be beaten or have their houses destroyed. Believers lose their lives if they follow follow Jesus openly. Converting to Christianity brings shame to a Muslim family. They'll do everything in their power to bring a new Christian back to Islam. This can involve violence. However, some families witness the the life-changing power of Christ. There have been cases where entire families become Christians and are forced to flee the country. The influx of the Islamic extremist groups has resulted in many deaths. In 2017, there were at least 8,000 casualties, according to the UN. They especially target Christian foreigners living and working in the country. Believers are forced to live out their faith in secret. This is what's happening around the world. What do you, what do, you do with that? You can pray. Pray. Amen. Good on you, Mr. Rex. Pray for the persecuted church. Support these ministries that are looking after them. That's what's happening around the world. Let's go back to Australia. In Australia, as I said before, this is how people are persecuted. They're looked down on. They're looked down on, seen in second rate. They're called names, seen as stupid and ridiculous for believing what they believe. They're made fun of. They aren't given opportunities, withheld opportunities. They're rejected by families and friends. And friends, this is also persecution. It's not like it is in North Korea and Afghanistan, but this is also persecution. Simply because I'm a Christian. Friends, when someone is persecuted for their faith, whether it's being made fun of, looked down on, or put in prison, threatened of prison, threatened of death for their faith. I reckon two people have, I'm sorry, I reckon people have two, two main choices. Responses to persecution. Number one, the first response I believe is to stand firm in your faith. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, I'm believing in Jesus. He's my Lord, he's my saviour, and I'm not going to shrink back. Now, that doesn't mean you poke the bear and put yourself in dangerous situations. That doesn't mean you don't flee if your life is in danger. No, do those. You should flee and you shouldn't poke the bear. Be safe. But you should also stand firm in what you believe. That's one, one response. And the other response is to shrink back. Where you go, 
well, maybe I need to change my opinion and fit in with what they're saying and doing. Or maybe even shrink back to a place where you throw in Jesus altogether. And that's what we see in the parable of Sower. The seed falling on the ground, on the rocky ground, refers to someone who hears the word and they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. I looked on the internet some pictures of trees with shallow roots. And look at this one. That's a tree that didn't go down deep, that went out sideways, and it blew over and lifted up all the grass. That's an incredible picture. Isn't that an incredible picture? A cubby house. Thank you, Ken. Maybe not safe for the children, Ken. Last week it was axes and knives. Now it's a cubby house. That's not good, Ken. You need to look up. Don't. That's why he's not on children's ministry, everyone. He works with adults. But yet I found this one. This tree that is beside a river, and even though the soil has been washed, it's still standing firm because its roots are deep. And when the wind and the waves and the, and the storms come, its roots are deep. So friends, what are these roots that, that, are, that are Jesus is talking about that aren't deep in the scripture from, from Matthew 13? What are these roots that are shallow that he's talking about? And what are deep roots? What are these deep roots so that when persecution comes, we aren't swayed, we, we are, don't give up, we don't shrink back. What are the deep roots? Well, I think going back to the passage in Hebrews chapter 10, it gives us a really good answer. I read this to you already. Remember those early days after you received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you're probably exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood beside I can't read it that way. Stood by side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully confiscated the, accept, the, the, the confiscation of your property. Look what I've put in bold. Deep roots. Ready for deep roots? Because you knew that, your, that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. That's verse 35. Look at verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will not delay. That's Jesus. That he is coming back and he will not delay. And but my righteous one will live by faith. Those those little things like written like a poem in a cut in. That's reading from Habakkuk chapter two there. And by my righteous and my, but my righteous one will live by faith, but, and, I'll, and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. What are the shallow roots? A belief that is just head knowledge. You want deep roots? It's a knowledge that is deep within you. That's in your belly, that is heartfelt, that Jesus is God, that his death meant your sin is forgiven, not maybe forgiven, or that's nice for this week. No, it is forgiven for eternity, that he has risen from the dead, and because he's risen, he's going to come back and he's going to give us eternal life. 
that your eternity, friends, if you're a Christian this morning, your eternity is secure. No matter what happens on this earth, you are going to live with Jesus forever if you have your faith in him. These are the deep roots that you know that are secure, that are your anchor. Ken Woolley, can I please bring you to the platform? Ken doesn't know about this. Because if he did know it wouldn't work, now this could be dangerous, Ken. And if it does and you get hurt, I'm sorry. Please sit on this stool. Maybe. No, no, it's all right. Sit down. Shallow roots is like this. That when persecution comes, you don't last. Let me now do deep roots, Ken. Hold on tight. Yeah. Okay. Persecution comes and because you're very strong. Yeah. Wow. Because you used to be a rugby league player, didn't you? Yes. Front row. You're very strong. Persecution comes and because his roots are deep, he's not going anywhere. You're done. Thank you. Get off. Oh. Best thing you've done all day. Well done. <laughs> deep roots. Knowing what you believe, not just as a thought, but it's in your belly. It's immovable. You are convinced, convinced, convinced. Deep roots. And when the persecution comes, it might wobble your head. It might hurt. It might hurt how you're feeling, but you're not, not, not moved because of your roots are deep. As we come to this message, if you're a Christian, the chances are you will be persecuted for your faith. And if you're not being persecuted for your faith, now you might just have a really good community. You might live in a a great place where there's no persecution, but that's pretty rare, I reckon. If you're sharing Jesus, if you're living a different life, if you're standing up for the things he believes in, people will notice and they won't like it and they will give you a hard time for your faith. They will. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, when you are persecuted, verse 12, 512, Matthew 5, when, not if you're persecuted, when you are persecuted, you're blessed, for great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 5.12. If you're a Christian, the chances are you will be persecuted. And when you're persecuted, you've got two responses. You can either stand firm, nothing's going to move me. No matter what you say, no matter what you're going to do, how I'm treated, even if it is the loss of my life, even if it's a loss of my life, I'm never going to recant. I'm never going to step down because I know who my Jesus is. I know where I'm going and I am secure in that. Or... Shrink back to fit in, to make them like you so you can be accepted or even throw Jesus away. Friends, which one are you going to choose? Choose now. Don't wait for persecution. Don't wait for rejection. Don't wait for when academics look down on you if you work in a university. Don't wait for your friends who have been hurt by the church or angry with God beat you up when they, when they beat you up. Don't then make a decision if you're going to stand firm or shrink back. Choose today. I'm going to stand firm because I know who God is. I know what he's done and I know where I'm headed. Maybe you're here today and you haven't yet committed your life to Jesus. And you're here today and you're going, Nathan, why would I want to become a Christian if that could happen to me? I could get bagged out. I could get rejected. I could even be killed and put in prison and... If that could happen to me, why would I want this Jesus thing? Well, let me tell you this. That what God is offering you in life now, but also, and even more importantly, eternal life, 
It is so, so good that the pain you may experience now is worth it. Childbirth. I have no expertise, no way to speak. But apparently, apparently, that, that, that experience of childbirth, horrible as it is, but the outcome, it is so wonderful that women go back and carry them off. It went seven times. What were you thinking? <laughs> and if you commit your life to Jesus, you may experience difficulty on earth, but what is to come? What is to come? It is so, so good. So if you're here this morning and you want to commit your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now. With every head bowed and eye closed, I encourage you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I am sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you pray that prayer and you man it, you've just become a Christian. You're on your way to eternal life and we want to help you in that journey. Come and grab me. Come and grab Ken. That's, he's the guy I pushed off the stool so easily because he's such a gentle man. Come and talk to him and we will help you in that, we will help you in that journey. I'd love to finish by praying for the persecuted church, and then we're going to sing. So maybe the band can come. And we can sing, So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of who you are, God. I'll stand. We're going to make that declaration. But not only that, I want us to pray for the persecuted church around the world. And I want to pray for each one of us that we would stand even in persecution. Is that okay? Can we stand together? Let's start by praying for the persecuted church. Father, we want to pray for your church that's persecuted around the world. God, the countries like North Korea, Afghanistan, Egypt, the places around the world where people are treated so poorly because they're followers of Jesus. Father, in those places we pray that the Christians will stand firm. They will not shrink back, but they will stand firm knowing who you are, knowing what you've done for them. And no matter what happens to them, God, they will not move because their eternity is secure. But God, we also pray that you would protect them, that you would meet them where they're at, that you'll help them um, be free from, um, free from persecution, we pray, that you would protect them. And God, for us, I pray that we would be a church in Australia, that we would be individuals in Australia who stand firm that nothing would move us. When they reject us, we will be like the tree with deep roots that get swayed in the breeze, that we will not shrink back, that we will not give in, but we will know that we would know who you are and what you've done for us. When we're looked down on, when we're made fun of, Lord, we would stand firm that nothing would move us. In Jesus' name. And we all said together.